Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Very Cold Lasagna Podcast, your place for all those filthy casual takes on the world of sports. I'm your host, Bill Lasagna, this is episode number 188 of this icy yet spicy sports podcast. And it's a new month, yes it is, it is the month of March, and here on Very Cold Lasagna, that means it's the beginning of our annual tradition, which means that is NFL Season Recap Month. It is the beginning of our annual tradition that is 2023 NFL Season Recap Month. So what does that mean? Well, we're going to be talking about all 31 teams in the National Football League. But wait a minute, you're missing a team. Uh, no, I'm not. No, I ain't. Uh, no, I'm not. Uh, we already talked about that team. Or maybe we didn't. Maybe we didn't. But actually, we did in actuality. Nonetheless, all joking aside, we begin our annual tradition that is NFL Season Recap Month, talking about all 31 teams in the span of around five to six episodes um, in the month of March. That also could expand to April, but your ears, your digest may vary, but we'll see. We'll see how we go along the way in this journey in our little March Madness here on Vertical Lasagna. And I'm excited. I'm excited to revisit the NFL season once more, even though it ended about uh, two or three weeks or so ago. (laughs) And, of course, the most unfortunate way imaginable, um, at least for me. I don't know about you, but how are you all feeling Um, for all my football fans out there? It's been quite some time since uh, the NFL has ended, at least uh, the annual tradition of it. Um, and we are still waiting for uh, football to come back, which is about six months from now. Six months from actually next week. So <laughs> still a little bit of a waiting period. Um, so I don't know what you're doing, uh, but you can let me know in the comments uh, whether it's, uh, you're watching this on a video or audio, what have you. So anyway, uh, before we get into the swing of things uh, with our first batch of, of teams that we're going to be talking about in our season recaps, uh, let's actually break it down. What exactly um, is NFL Season Recap Month here on Vericle Lasagna? For those of you that are new to this, um, that have never come across Vericle Lasagna, in a nutshell, um, actually the very simple gist of this, Vericle Lasagna's NFL Season Recap Month is, like I said, all 31 teams covered in the span of March. Like I said, it could also go into the to the month of April depending on how we do. It's divided up into five to six episodes, um, going from the worst to the best of the NFL in the NFL draft order. Um, So from the first overall pick to the 31st uh, overall pick. And you're probably saying, well, there's 31 teams, uh, 32 teams in the NFL. Uh, Why are you only talking about 31? Well, full disclaimer, um, all joking aside, I already talked about my team, and that was my San Francisco 49ers in the last episode. So that was like a little uh, prologue, prelude um, to the first part. Yes, the first part of our season recaps. Um, So go check out that episode um, after this one. So anyway, uh, we're going to divide this up by six teams per episode, um, where we talk about all the positives, the negatives of their season, and... Just take a look at what's going on in their off seasons, and what I personally feel like, you know, what each of these teams needs to do to try and have a better next season, which is 2024 this year, um, in September later on this year. 
But as we get deeper into these season recaps, as we talk about the rest of the teams later on in the month of March, we're going to focus more on what the back half of these teams had already done in free agency, um, maybe some upcoming stuff, what they still need to address. Um, once the new league year, like, well, yeah, the NFL's new year uh, starts in a couple of weeks. So that's basically what we do here on NFL Season Recap Month. Some people may do it different, but here in Vertical Lasagna, um, I mean, I'm just a filthy casual fan. I might get stuff uh, missed, um, get something hit, whatnot. Um, so you can roast me. You can point things out uh, along the way. So there you go. Now, a little bit of housekeeping before we get into our first team of our NFL Season Recaps. Uh, follow me on social media on X and Instagram at Vericle Lasagna. If you're listening to this on audio, if you're audio only, um, whether it's on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, whichever podcast platform Vericle Lasagna is available on, make sure you rate and view the show one to five stars. Leave me some feedback however you can. And if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you smack the like button, smack the subscribe button, leave a comment down below. Um, especially with your own takes on each and every topic that I'm talking about in every episode, whatever topic that is. If in terms of this episode, it's the teams that I'm going to be talking about in our season recaps. And share this with your friends. Share this with a stranger. Share this with your neighbors. Um, share with whoever you want to share this with, um, whether it's the good or the bad about Vericold Lasagna. But enough about me jibber-jabbering. Let's get into the first six teams. And, well, these are the worst of the worst um, who were, went into Dumpster Town, who, the annual residence of D Town Down of Dumpster Town, as we take a look at the first batch of our 2023 NFL season recaps. So, here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Here we go. So, the first unfortunate soul in our 2023 NFL season recap month is none other than the 2-15 Carolina Panthers. For the Carolina Panthers, man, I thought that for this team, they looked like they were going to stay at least a little bit competitive despite what was likely going to be uh, rebuilding 2023. They were a decent team uh, coming up just short of winning the NFC South in 2022. You know, you had Sam Darnold. Um, you had a team that fired their head coach, um... Matt Rule, the fool, um, a quarter way into the season. Steve Wilkes did a decent job having his team compete in a crappy NFC South um, that Tom Brady and the Bucks were letting slip away, but unfortunately just came up just short. So the Panthers came about a game short of trying to steal away the NFC South from Tom Brady and the Bucks in 2022. So they're going to 2023. Um, they didn't retain uh, Steve Wilkes, and... Well, during the offseason, they pretty much changed just about everything around the team. Uh, from the head coach in Frank Reich, uh, who was ousted from Indianapolis, um, and they pretty much put all their chips, like literally all their chips. Um, they were placed at the ninth overall pick, um, but then they went to go all in to go all the way up to the first overall pick to go and get the top quarterback prospect that um, this time last year in Alabama's Bryce Young. So it was an interesting decision by many. Um, I can't really remember what how I exactly um, prospected in quotations um, Rice Young. But nonetheless, it seemed like they got some help for their guy um, in free agency too. And I thought that, you know, make, despite 
you know, where how they were, how they, they structured their roster, I thought they could contend and rebuild because, well, they were in a very crappy division that was the NFC South. I mean, just look at the Bucks, just look at the Saints, just look at the Falcons. I mean, they didn't exactly have good off seasons as well. The South was a very crappy division. Probably was going to be the worst division in my eyes when I previewed them like last year. Well, <laughs> 2023 then happened, and boy, was I very wrong about these Carolina Panthers because what could go wrong exactly went wrong for these Panthers. Just about everything you could have possibly imagined went very wrong for, for Carolina. Bryce Young was very bad uh, in his rookie season. Um, he tried but failed to get past his terrible offensive line. Like um, He was like one of, if not the most pressured quarterback in the league. He had a terrible supporting cast outside of Adam Thielen. Um, and, I mean, of course, he had his own struggles. You, like We just can't blame the supporting cast. Um, he had his own struggles of... Not getting past his first, not getting past his first read, struggling with turnovers, um, getting sacked frequently. I mean, even when his offensive line gave him a little bit of protection, but then he had other things uh, revolving against him. Uh, the offseason investment of running back Miles Sanders from the Eagles, it was a very bad one. Like his production went way down, averaging at 800 yards in Philadelphia in four seasons, and then he he cut that in half. Um, in his one season in Carolina. That's bad. That is really bad. And he, he really underperformed um, beyond the stats. And then Frank Reich's development of his quarterback and his management of the offense were so good, he got fired by week 12. Yeah. Ouch. I mean, the only win that they got was against the Houston Texans when they were coming off a bye in the, around midseason. But just like still, the, this team was like severely bad. It was just that terrible. And it's it's gotten to a point where it was so bad that the owner, David Tepper, was also getting himself into trouble. He was caught on camera like towards the end of the season um, in that Week 17 shutout loss against the Jaguars, um, throwing a drink at a Jags fan, showing how all elite he was, um, proving his loyalty to Tony Khan, C-O-N, by throwing a drink on a Jags fan. Or maybe he was a plant. Um, by Noseman, Triple H, to go door drink against an AEW fan. I don't know. But I mean, not uh, like for all the bad shit that happened for uh, Carolina in 2023, there were at least some bright side. There's at least a very few bright spots for the Panthers um, this year. What, they're, one of their two wins um, in, in this season at least had an impact. At least had an impact on the playoff picture. And that came in the form of the the week 15 win against the Falcons. The Falcons were still by that point in contention of the NFC South because yes, it was that crappy. And that win against um, the Falcons ended up costing Atlanta, both the NFC South and well, head coach Arthur Smith, his job. So and in essence, it not only helped, I don't know if it helped Carolina in a sense, but, I mean, it also helped Arthur Smith uh, and, and Atlanta, in a sense. So, Carolina at least did something. They at least managed to have a little bit of hope. And then, defensive tackle Derek Brown, he was probably the lone bright spot on that defense, being the most consistent positive from their badly coached defense. 
Brown was a tackling machine. He at least knew how to get the key stops when necessary. And he was a Pro Bowl. He, he earned himself a Pro Bowl nod. So, I mean, there was at least some po- there was at least a few positive things in this season. I mean, it was mostly bad, but not all not everything was terrible. But still, they went 2 and 15. Um, but yeah, to say it was a very terrible year, to say it was a mostly bad year, it's an understatement. Like when even when you look at the highlights on YouTube, this Panthers team was very unwatchable both on and off the field, and it really showed. It really showed. Not only did this terrible season get uh, Frank Reich fired, and like not even after the season ended, like well before the season ended, um, but it also got general manager Scott Fitter fired five years in Carolina, and, well, this is what he had to show for it. And let's face it, he deserved it after getting swindled by the Bears for what ended up being a crafty pre-draft trade. You know, all those, like, first and second round picks, and then also having to give up DJ Moore too, to Chicago, your number one receiver. So, yeah, and that's it. Yeah, Bryce, no wonder why Bryce Young was, like, handed shit. He had no top receiver. Good job. Good job. So, an owner that was already on, that's now on his way to claim the title as the worst, because, you know, Dan Snyder's not there anymore. If not already, you know, you have to wonder, Whoever's going to be the new head coach and general manager is going to have that tall task of trying to rebuild this team to respectability with an owner that's, well, bullshit, full micromanagement. So David Tepper went on to hire Bucks offensive coordinator uh, Dave Canales as his head coach. He did a pretty good job resurrecting Baker Mayfield um, in 2023. Uh, but now whether he can do the same with Bryce Young is remains to be seen. Uh, Tepper also went on to promote assistant general manager Dan Morgan to general manager and president of football operations. So at least for Dan Morgan, he has some familiarity uh, within the organization as both a player and as an executive. But now let's see if Tepper will let him put together a proper roster without any sort of micromanagement um, from his end. So looking at their offseason, currently as it stands, they have around $36 million in cap space. So it's something, but in in the grand scheme of things, it's kind of also not a lot. Um, at least it's better than the other teams that we're gonna be talking about. So they they do pick at number one, but oh wait, they gave that away. They gave that away uh, to the Chicago Bears last year to go and get Bryce Young, and they don't pick till round two. Oh wow, smart decision there, uh, Carolina. And by then they'll only have six picks to work with. Yeah, good job. Good trade there. Um, fortunately for them, though, they don't have a lot of uh, key uh, free agents that they have to deal with. Um, the only ones that they have to deal with is uh, linebackers Brian Burns and Shaq Thompson. So I feel like that should be a priority for them if to uh, keep those two um, together in Carolina. Um, some of their team needs that they really need to address this offseason is, well, getting that number one receiver for uh, Bryce Young. Obviously, it's going to be hard to do that in the draft. Well, maybe they might find a gem in round two. But regardless, you cannot have an old yet uh, reliable Adam Thielen as his only go-to receiver. Um, you got to find a big name that can truly help Young unlock his potential. And, of course, you got to find protection too. Speaking of protection, the offensive line. It was another reason why the offense struggled big time because the overall blocking up front was so bad. 
So they're not, they got to find some upgrades at guard and even at tackle in the draft. Um, maybe maybe they could get lucky um, in free agency as well. And then, like I said, you got to re-sign Brian Burns. It's a no-brainer. He's been a consistent cog of that defense. And long-term, they got to lock him up. I know there's been rumors and speculation that they're going to franchise tag him, but um, the best thing they, they could do is sign him long-term. So for the Carolina Panthers, they have serious, like dead-ass serious work to do um, in the offseason if they want to begin an actual rebuild, both on and off of the field. Just as long David Tepper's ass um, doesn't get involved, like hands-on with um, the new regime's like work. But man, even with whatever they do this offseason, like the list is abundant. Their needs are, are abundant. 36 million cap space, um, only six picks to work with in the draft. It's probably not enough to address their biggest needs going into next season. So good luck um, to Dan Morgan and Dave Canales uh, trying to deal with this mess because, boy, they're going to need it. So that's one down, 30 more to go. Woo! We're getting off to a great start here on NFL Season Recap Month 2023. But that being said, let's talk about our second team here in our Season Recap Part 1. And that's taking a trip down to the nation's capital to talk about the Washington Commanders. It was just more than just a change at quarterback uh, for Washington that they went through in the last year. Sure, they elected to go with second-year fifth-round pick Sam Darnold, who was drafted in 2022. They went with him as the starter, see what they can offer, but it was actually just more than that. During this past offseason in July of 2023, notorious owner Dan Snyder sold the team to an investment group led by Josh Harris, uh, who was known more from the Philadelphia 76ers. And once that got finalized, the season became one of keep or delete for 2024 for the Commanders. So I noted in my preview for uh, the Commanders um, that they still had some talent on this team. Um, don't get me wrong, but then once the season rolled along, several things became apparent with such talent that led them to, to go from uh, from 2-0 to start the season to all the way down to, what was it, 4-13 and um, once the season ended. So you have to look at what went wrong with the Commanders um, throughout this whole season. And sure, like the Commanders got off to a good start um, because of their defense and all that. But the main problem of the crux was Sam Howell. Sam Howell was really bad. Um, Howell was just not good on the season because he turned the ball over a lot. Um, He was really careless um, throwing interceptions um, or just fumbling it on the run. But here's a caveat. Um, I know people love to talk shit. They love to like crap on 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 Sam Howell um, because of of those things. But there's kind of a bit of a caveat um, to Sam Howell's issues. Um, and I'm not saying that these are excuses for for Howell. He played behind the worst offensive line in the NFL. Like not everything, uh, not everything. Why Sam Howell was bad was because of him is because, yeah, that offensive line was just terrible. It was so bad. They gave up over 60 sacks, like nearing close to 70. He was the most sacked quarterback in the NFL. He was like nearing David Carr levels. 
of getting sacked. He was pressured up the ass instantly. Like it, if he was just like, like one second from the snap, you already have pass rushes going up after him on a weekly basis. Every play he was getting harassed. Washington didn't do an adequate job putting together at least a decent O-line for quarterback under evaluation. And look what happened. Sam Howell was pretty bad. And people were, I guess people were too quick to point out um, that Sam Howell was the problem. When in essence, that it, it wasn't always because of him. It was like a main crux was that offensive line. Like that's like with a couple of other teams that we're going to talk about. The main issue is that they don't protect their their quarterbacks. Washington was one of them. And it wasn't just the offense that was the main issue. I mean, look at the defense. It was really bad. This defense was just as bad. Like, all season, like, a team that once had one of the best defense in the league, like, most recently, a couple years ago, it turned into one of the worst. But the main problem was with this defense is that it was a secondary that allowed way too many explosive plays. Um, due to their inability to keep up with um, various receivers. And they just really lacked communication. Um, They really lacked chemistry with each other. Um, And then once um, they traded away Montez Sweat um, to the Bears and then Chase Young to the Niners, there was no pass rush. There was, like, no pass rush anymore, um, aside from Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne um, in the interior. But on the exterior, that was gone. Um, Like, those two couldn't do it alone. So... Yeah, it was just it, the the hash rush simply wasn't there anymore, um, and all this culminated in their and them constantly getting whooped in the butt, um, and defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio getting fired after Thanksgiving after that ass whooping by the Cowboys. But not everything was bad uh, with the Commanders and, and during this evaluation season, because when you look at the rookie class, um, there was some promise. There was some promise, like running back Chris Rodriguez Jr. He received an increase in production midway through the season. And, you know, despite only a handful of carries, um, he made the most of them, looking more like a power and energetic back than Antonio Gibson. And surprisingly, Brian Robinson Jr. Um, I was a little surprised, you know, for example, watching that um, during that game against when the 49ers played uh, the Commanders. There's a little bit of mix of Chris Rodriguez. I think Chris Rodriguez played in that game against... Um, the 49ers. There's a good heavy mix of Chris Rodriguez and Brian Robinson Jr. And Antonio Gibson was there too. But it was kind of crazy when you think about it. But Rodriguez played pretty well uh, for himself despite only having limited snaps. Someone could correct me if I'm wrong on that on that Niners game, by the way. But also you have defensively corner Emmanuel Forbes. He struggled for much of the year um, while adjusting to the league. He got actually benched at one point. But um, once you saw defense losing a lot of players due to injury, um, Forbes, once he, he he had to get into a starting position, um, he was playing much better. Um, he allowed just over a little over 200 yards, so a better, uh, reasonable, uh, uh, better stat than what he did previously, did previously did early in the season. So a little less than 200 yards in nine games. So a much better improvement for him. So... Another positive was that they still have a top receiver in Terry McLaurin. Uh, Sam Howell really, really helped him out um, despite a receiving game that was really kind of lacking. And Terry McLaurin still proved that he can be one of the best if he had a good quarterback. 
And then the team, now that the season is over with, they can finally begin a new change in the guard. No more Dan Snyder. No more Ron Rivera. They can finally clean house. And, well, maybe a new quarterback too. I don't know. Either way, like now that now they can start fresh. They can start a new clean slate. So for the Commanders, yeah, four and thirteen. Um, it definitely may have sucked for um that team, and how probably wasn't the answer that they were looking for, um, or maybe it could be if they keep keep them around. I don't know, but you know, considering that with that new ownership in Josh Harris, new general manager in Adam Peters, um, head coach Ron Rivera got shown the door in favor of. Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn, who has had experience as a head coach in Atlanta. They're looking like a very solid attraction right now um, in the league. So if all three can nail this offseason um, ongoing right now, then the commanders can take step one in riding the ship that Dan Snyder completely sunk for decades. So looking at their offseason, um, they have the most cap space in the league. So they have the most money, the most dinero to spend around $82 million, um, and they do pick at number two. So they have options here. Um, depending on what the Bears do at number one, um, they're going to get either the, the top pick, uh, the top choice um, at quarterback or the top, uh, the second best choice. Whoever they want, uh, whatever the Bears don't get, the, the commanders will get. Um, that's unless if they trade down, which it would be a curious choice as well. Looking at some of their key free agents, lucky for them, not too many that um, they have to consider re-signing or extending. Uh, looking at, just for example, though, uh, center Tyler Larson, linebackers Cody Barton, and David Mayo. Um, the only one that they should consider re-signing, though, is safety Cameron Curl. He had a really good year um, in, in a what was considered a overall down year for the team. But looking at the uh, needs to address for the, the entire team overall, <coughs> excuse me, um, obviously, that number two overall pick has to be centered around drafting the quarterback. So as much as I think Sam Howell should be given another chance with a proper offensive line, I think Adam Peters and Dan Quinn are likely going to instead want their own quarterback with the opportunity in front of them. I mean, it's like a golden opportunity. Um, but, you know, with how bad the team did. Um, I mean, not by fault of their own, but it's just, you know, by circumstance. You have the number one two overall pick. It's like sitting right in front of you you got to use it. You got to use it on what what you think is a prime opportunity to have a franchise quarterback. Whatever that may be, go and use it. And then from there, you you build around that quarterback. Build a wall to protect them. Rebuild the offensive line, starting with the tackle position. Outside of guard Sam Cosme, the offensive line, like I said, was a big mess, um, allowing a crap ton of sacks on Sam Howell. You don't want that on your next quarterback. They need to commit a good amount of their free agency and draft capital on the offensive line. And that starts with tackle. And then defensively, you got to rebuild the defense, starting with the secondary. Washington had the worst pass defense this past season. Um, so addressing cornerback should be at the top of the list um, in terms of their defense. Dan Quinn's a, special, a specialist in that, so you probably know what to do. And then from there, they can uh, split uh, getting edge rushers, in both free agency in the draft, and maybe some, um, I don't know, whatever pending need that they have to get as well. And then, of course, you have to re-sign uh, standout uh, free agent safety, like I said, uh, Cameron Curl. So that's another top priority that they have to address with that defense. 
So as I said, you know, Washington didn't exactly have a great 2023 by no means. Um, so as the season wore on for them, which was it was expected under the new ownership. But now that new ownership can officially kick it to overdrive. It can go into full gear, start a new revolution. And those AEW terms are really kicking in, huh? So it's a new one with new head coach in Dan, Dan Quinn, new general manager Adam Peters, new ownership in Josh Harris. They got a lot of money to spend. Probably a good amount of draft capital too. So just as long as they're allowed to do it the right way, I do. Th- I think the commanders can make um, some big moves as long as they do it right this coming offseason. Now we depart from the nation's capital to go up north to Foxborough, Massachusetts to talk about the Patriot way that is the New England Patriots. The New England Patriots in 2022, they had themselves a tough season. Um, Mac Jones regressed without a true offensive coordinator. So as such, they were heading into this past season, 2023, looking to turn it around in what could possibly have been Bill Belichick's last dance. Although, you know, looking at it in retrospect, um, in terms of their offseason, they didn't really do a whole lot. Um, Belichick, outside of adding an actual offensive coordinator in Bill O'Brien, who has familiarity um, with uh, New Eng- the New England system, uh, yeah, Bill Belichick, the general manager, didn't add much else to help out um, his quarterback that he drafted oh so many year- oh, years ago, which was technically two years ago, <laughs> so not too long ago. He didn't add much else, and with a tough schedule ahead, the Patriots looked like to be in serious trouble, and I didn't have a lot of high hopes for that. So, as such, a lot of things went wrong for for the Patriots, and a lot lot wrong than, than expected. So, Mac Jones, at, uh, he fell apart. Like, he fell, like, a, more, probably a lot more apart than uh, he did in 2022. So, that was coupled with the offensive line, the lack of an offensive line, and a proper receiving cast. Yeah, surely played a role in it. But in fairness, Mac Jones also deserves his fair share of the blame. He threw a ton of ill-advised balls, even when not under pressure. He turned it over a ton, including someone in the pocket. I mean, look like look at some of Mac Jones' throws, and he was just throwing it dead in the right of a of a defender, like a defend in the in front of a corner cornerback. It's like, man, like it's that bad. So that kept going on for like a couple weeks, and then Eventually, it came to a point where Bill Belichick benched him four times during the season. Like, that's a lot. That kills his confidence as if it was already down enough. And he saw the bench for good at halftime. Like, there was even a point in time where he was on the inactive list. And he saw the inactive list for good, as I said, in week 11. Um, and then when you look at the quarterback position, Bailey Zappi was no better. Um, you know, that uh, quarterback that saw raves um, in the 2022 season as well. Yeah, Bailey Zappi was no better, and the Patriots made it clear that they were going to turn back to their uh, former first-round pick that they drafted just two years ago. And it's really disappointing when you when you look at it. It just went to show that, oh, man, Mac Jones is like a serious bust. But it's, it's outside of Mac Jones, though. The offense was really dreadful, whoever was that quarterback. I mean... I've already pointed out the quarterback trolls with Jones and Bailey Zappi, who, again, was not that much better, but still bad. Um, again, there's more issues than that. Tight end Hunter Henry, rookie Demario Douglas, the receiver, they had good seasons, but um, the rest of the offense was very flawed. Um, the rushing attack of Ramondre Stevenson and the newest addition, Ezekiel Elliott, 
they didn't amount to much. So that forced um, the Patriots to throw the ball more. Um, the offensive line was one of the most pressured in the league, um, which led to either quarterback getting sacked or forced into turnovers. Now you combine all that, and it was an offense that could score very few points, or in a couple occasions, they couldn't score at all. And those shutouts, all of them occur- occurred at home. That is embarrassing, especially to a team that has rarely done that um, under the Tom Brady regime. And to do that, like I think it's like twice or three times um, in one year, oof, that's bad. That is really bad. But for all their faults, you know, there there's some things that 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 can be a look that can be attributed to a, as a positive, like their defense. Their defense has been and always been Bill Belichick's bread and butter. Um, that unit that kept the, the team alive in games against contenders like the Dolphins, the Eagles, the Chiefs, the Bills. Um, speaking of the, the Bills, you know, the Patriots managed to get one of their wins against that team like midway through the season. So it wasn't all that bad. Um, and you look at safety Jabril Peppers. Um, he could be considered the MVP of that defense, if not the whole team, because of how well he played in coverage against opposing receivers. And he was a pretty good run defender. Um, for for a a defense that was heralded by just not just Bill Belichick by but by his son as well, and then look at rookie corner Christian Gonzalez. He looked primed for a good season with how well he played in coverage. Unfort- it was just very unfortunate that he was lost very early in the season with two season-ending injuries. That's just rough. So yeah, it's pretty much yeah, it's pretty much your defense that has been very good. Um, everything else though is just like man, that, that, it's just brutal. It was just painful to watch as they struggle to a 4 and 13 record. So not is not as brutal though of an ending for a way to go out for a longtime head coach Bill Belichick because um yeah, he he parted ways with the Patriots like they came to a mutual decision to hey, might as well uh cut the olive branch now. Um say our formal goodbyes now. So yeah, it's officially the end of an era. So along with Tom Brady, um they led them to a dynasty of six Super Bowls. But man, after Tom Brady left for Tampa Bay, it's been a sinking ship since then. So yeah, he mutually parted ways with New England uh, the Thursday after the season ended. And well, while he's looking for his next journey, I don't think he's coaching um, anytime soon until probably next year. The Patriots, they found their immediate successor in former Patriots uh, player and current linebacker or linebacks coach. Uh, Jared Mayo. So Jared Mayo, he has uh, a tall task on his hand. He has some tall uh, shoes to fill um, that Bill Belichick left uh, behind. So at least for Jared Mayo, and I don't think they named a general manager at all, but someone's filling that position. But nonetheless, they have some uh, decent, they have some decent uh, things that are going for them in the off season. They have around $77 million uh, in cap space. So, Plenty of money to spend, so that's something. Um, and they get the third overall pick. So by losing all those games, they now are in prime position to do what they want with it. Do they want a quarterback? Or do they want to trade down, get a bunch of picks, and then go for what the best available need is? Looking at some of their key free agents, um, not too uh, not too concerning, any concerning ones, um, like tight end Hunter Henry and Mike Gesicki, who barely even played at all this year. Uh, running back Ezekiel Elliott, uh, safeties Jalen Mills and Kyle Duggar, and then linebacker Josh Oosh. 
Um, I'm not really sure who you would really resign out of all of them. Maybe Kyle Duggar, maybe. So looking at some of their team needs that they really need to address this offseason, I think the number one priority is that quarterback position. You got to make a decision on what you got to do um, at at the most important position of the game. You want to give Mac Jones one last chance um, to show what he's got. I mean, yes, he's had two crappy seasons uh, <laughs> um, since he came into the league, like after his very solid uh, rookie season. But then everything after that just rapidly started going down a hill. So do you want to give him one more shot? Um, probably with a proper offensive coordinator that can really help him out and a younger head coach that can truly give him a chance. Or do you use the third overall pick to, you know, get that quarterback that will be under a head coach that probably wants their own QB. But nonetheless, Jared Mayo has to make a decision at the quarterback position. Do you go with Mac Jones or do you get your own quarterback? And then once you decide on that, you got to find a number one receiver in the draft. You got to rebuild that supporting cast around, around that quarterback. And that starts in the receiver position. So rookie Demario Douglas, he played, played well. But, I mean, obviously more help is needed at the position. I'm not too sure if DeMario Douglas um, can be that number one guy on, on the receiving end. But you might as well use one uh, one of your draft picks to go and get a, a guy that you could scout and then draft later on um, once the day comes. Especially a top one because that Patriots receiving core is really lacking. And then you got to commit to building the offensive line. After having a, such a stout uh, offensive line that protected uh, Tom Brady all those years and then Mac Jones's first year, the Patriots offensive line has significantly turned for the worse. Uh, Cole Strange has been a big bust, uh, strangely, no pun intended, while other linemen, Trent Brown and uh, Mike Onwenu, they're free agents. So I feel like it's time to fully reset the entire offensive line um, so proper protection can be in place for their quarterback. So... Very brutal way for um, the Patriots' Bill Belichick era to end. But now they got to enter in this new era where, with the new regime of Jared Mayo and a yet-to-be-sided general manager, if they ever put in one. But that's besides the point. They're entering this new regime that's going to be tasked with rebuilding a broken empire from the ground up. So a lot of decisions have to be made um, going into the offseason. And, well, decision number one is going to be that quarterback decision. Go with Mac Jones or pick a quarterback at number three. The Patriot way is going to be um, some interesting ways starting in a couple weeks. Going to the halfway point of our 2023 NFL season recaps part one. What do you guys think about um, the teams that we talked about so far? We've talked about the Panthers. We talked about the Commanders. And we talked about the Patriots, which we just wrapped up. Um, what do you guys think about their 2023? Um, what are your your needs for them uh, if you're a fan of uh, either of these teams. Um, and, yeah, let me know your own thoughts on either of the three teams that we talked about so far. But now let's move on to the second part of our NFL season recaps part one and take a trip down to the desert to talk about the dirty birds in red, and that is the Arizona Cardinals. Not too many expectations um, I set and many have set for them um, because in 2023 – they're going in with a new head coach um, in Jonathan Gannon, but they were they're not going to be with their starting quarterback um, for at least half of the year because he was recovering from a serious late season injury the year prior. 
because, you know, after they dumped head coach Cliff Kingsbury, um, rightfully so, they like I said, they hired former Eagles defensive coordinator Jonathan Ganna, who was fresh off the Super Bowl, but he was in for a very tall task, trying to put together a decent roster that didn't have a lot of uh, cap space, and I don't believe they had a lot of draft capital either, I remember at the time. And they were going to be uh, set without starting quarterback Kyler Murray for at least half of the season because he was recovering from a torn ACL um, that he suffered in December of 2022. So that was going to be a while um, before they could get um, their starting QB back. So this season was mainly all about developing the young players that were on the roster, be it already there, acquired through the draft, free agency, um, while they were biding time for Kyler Murray to return. Now, obviously, the stretch without Kyler Murray was pretty rough. I mean, not, that's not to say all the, the games were bad um, without Kyler Murray because, a little surprisingly, um, the filling quarterback, Joshua Dobbs, he had the offense functioning and somewhat competitive in some games. Uh, but it became clear, you know, after, like a little a little past halfway through, throughout his tenure there, um, his limitations being a journeyman quarterback, along with the rest of the low talent gap on the team, uh, were a reason why Arizona suffered a lot offensively without Murray. And, you know, eventually, um, it started to cave in. So, the, that stretch without Kyler Murray, sure, it was a little surprising at first. But then, eventually, it just started to cave. And then, all season long, that defense, like, man, that, it's just really, it was just really bad. Um, a top 10 worst. Um, not all time, obviously, but like top 10 worst during during this season. There were a few positive producers like linebackers Chris Barnes and Kaiser White, uh, as well as safety Buda Baker and Jonathan Ledbur at, at rusher. Arizona, but man, they had difficulty stopping the ball at just every chance they got um, because, well, they just couldn't get to the quarterback. Um, they couldn't stop the run. They, they had a lot of difficulty um, playing defense and they got scored on. That's why they got scored on a lot. So Arizona really struggled on both ends um, because they were just lacking in a lot of key areas. But once Kyler Murray came back, um, they, they played a little bit better. Um, returning from an ACL tear in week 10, Murray picked up where he left off and he performed pretty well despite a lack of weapons other than Greg Dortch and Trey McBride, both of them tight ends. Um, Murray playing pretty mobile despite, you know, having that ACL tear, um, made some solid explosive plays, um, to keep games close and even won at least one of them. So three of the four wins from Arizona came against playoff contenders. Um, so yeah, it may have been a down year overall for the Cardinals, but they had some wild stunners, uh, that nobody expected. Like the Cowboys with week three, uh, with Josh Dobbs under center, like, Nobody expected them to win win that game um, against Dallas with that tough defense and with Prescott uh, uh, at home. Like, ugh, man. And then, of course, you had the Steelers. I mean, that wasn't really a surprise. But the biggest surprise came against the Philadelphia. They were the biggest underdog that week, probably in the whole season. And they actually went on to stun them, like actually, like literally stun them. And that last that lo- that win against Philadelphia caused a ripple effect in the NFC playoff picture. Um, it caused the Niners to get the number one seed. The Eagles dropped down all the way to the number five seed, like permanently. And yeah, it basically gave the Cowboys the the NFC East. 
like right then and there. So, yeah, Arizona, yeah, like that win, sure, it may not meant anything for them, but I mean, like in terms of like, like playoffs or anything, but it gave them some confidence for going to next season. And then, last but not least, the running game, ready effective, you know, despite the offense, you know, not really doing a whole lot in the passing game. Um, offensive coordinator Drew Petzing emphasized the running, uh, running a lot, and it was a, it was pretty effective. Led by James Conner, the Cardinals were an effective running team, getting at least six yards uh, a carry each game. So that meant a lot of first downs. And that strong ground game opened the play-action attack pretty well once Kyler Murray came back especially um, because it allowed tight ends to get open in the middle more and even their low-level receivers to actually do decently too. So despite giving the, the, the lack of talent in the first half without Kyler Murray, uh, they did go four and thirteen. I mean, it, yeah, it was pretty expected that Arizona uh, was going to essentially be at the same record that they were last year, if not worse. But Kyler Murray, strong return, should have both Jonathan Gannage at coach and the team hopeful uh, for what is to come next season. Just as long as um, the team can get the right pieces to get um, themselves back on track. So you look at this offseason for um, the Cardinals. They have around $51 million to spend. So that's a good amount of money. They they can spend uh, this offseason. And they get two first-round draft picks um, in April. Um, with the fourth overall pick and the 27th pick that they got from Houston in that trade last year when tech, the Texans decided to trade up to get Will Anderson. So they got something. They got something going. They got something cooking. Um, in terms of free agents, not a lot to worry about like at all. So they they got they got even more stuff even brewing. Um, the only th- I'm not sure if they want to keep any of them like Marquise Brown and Greg Dortch. So I don't know if they want to consider keeping them around. Um, in terms of what they need to address in the offseason, um, I guess you, the the place you want to start is rebuild the receiving room around Kyler Murray because they never really had that true top option for either Josh Dobbs or Kyler Murray. Um, they tried with Marquise Hollywood Brown, um, but Ever since he left Baltimore, um, they trade for him. I guess they never really got it going. Um, so they're going to need a new number one receiver um, to go alongside uh, Murray and standout tight end Trey McBride. Um, they're probably going to draft um, that one guy they keep talking about, Marvin Harrison Jr. So they're probably going to go with that guy. And then with the 27th overall pick, um, well, it, that's up to them. Maybe even draft a defensive tackle or an offensive lineman, um, whatever uh, is at their disposal. Because they do have weaknesses on both sides of the trenches, uh, but they're going to have to pick or choose which one to address um, at that point. I mean, yeah, they can use free agency to do that, but um, they should think the long game here. Um, I do think, though, they need to show up that run defense, um, but they also have to sh- uh, protect uh, add to the interior as well. And then in, in the def- staying on the defense, they need to find a cornerback to help the secondary because the passing defense was really bad. So Jonathan Gannon in the, the, the front offense, they have to find a lockdown corner in free agency um, or maybe a diamond in the rough in the draft. So, yeah, Arizona's 2023 went mostly expected. Um, but, again, bright sides. You got to look at the bright side to it. Um, you got Kyler Murray back. Um, you got a good amount of money to spend. If there's some solid draft capital there, I mean, you have two first-round picks um, this year in the draft. 
So this offseason is going to be a good opportunity for Arizona to regroup, build around their quarterback. If they do it right, hell, they could be back in contention um, for a playoff spot and who knows, maybe the division in 2024. So now we go from the desert to the bright powder blue lights of Hollywood to talk about the clip, <coughs> clip, 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 sorry. Uh, I got the, the little coughs, the little clip, clop, clop, clip, clops there to talk about the Los Angeles Chargers. The powder blue bolts in Los Angeles, they had plenty to answer for um, this past season after what had transpired a year prior, like actually over a year prior. So in case uh, you were wondering what exactly happened um, in January of last year, so back in the first round of the 2022 NFL playoffs, or, well, 2023, whatever you want to call it, the Chargers, they held a 28 to nothing second-quarter lead over the all-elite Jacksonville Jaguars before eventually, just like they always love to do, then they loved to clipper, oh, sorry, Charger it away in humiliating fashion. Um, so they gave up a 28 to nothing lead. Um, they let it slip away and they lost that game. Despite that though, owner Dean Spanos kept head coach Brandon Staley around for unknown reasons. Like why? I, I was really questioning like, why the hell you, you decided to keep Brandon Staley around when the dude lost, lost a big ass lead like that. And, <laughs> You, you, of course. Well, uh, what, what, what more to expect, huh? So anyway, all that aside, you head into a season. Staley was tasked to figure out how to get back into the playoff hunt and how not to clipper it again like he did last time out. But unfortunately for the, sorry, the Chargers, um, that didn't pan out. None of it panned out because, um, they suffered uh, some key injuries during this season. Um, mainly some two key injuries that was going to plummet the Chargers offense. I mean, looking looking at the Chargers season, they were they started off pretty bad. They were already 0-2 when they traveled to Minnesota on the back end of a two-game road trip um, going into week three. Um, they won that game in Minnesota, but they paid a big price um, in that game because they wound up losing one of their top receivers early in the season in Mike Williams. Um, Mike Williams already had a sketchy health history, but that's not the point. His loss was going to end up being a very big one for the offense, um, which had to rely heavily on Keenan Allen. And on the other side, there wasn't really a reliable number two uh, for Justin Herbert to go to. So that offense was really, really struggling hard. Um, it, it became even less explosive. But then once week 14 rolled around, that's when it started to get even worse. Um, the, the Chargers went on to lose Justin Herbert for the year um, to a fractured finger in his throwing hand in the first quarter of that game against Denver. Talk about major L. Because once they started to roll, once they rolled with backup Easton Stick, the offense sank even more, starting with an embarrassing Thursday night stinker against the Raiders that came four days later. Yeah, it was that bad. So, if you want to talk about the offense even further, look at running back Austin Eckler. His production dipped. Um, Eckler headed into this season coming off uh, contract sections that broke down. Um, and it looked like, you know, considering how that went, 
It looked like he was going to be motivated to prove them wrong. That, oh, you should have paid me a good amount of money. But instead, he proved the Chargers front office right. That, no, we're not going to pay you. Uh, we're not going to give you the money that you want. Because Austin Eckler was not as effective in both rushing and receiving as he had been the last two years. Um, and he actually managed to turn the ball over more than more than he scored. So for the Chargers running game, it was ineffective. It is nearly ineffective. And then, of course, you have the season-long usual tradition of clippering. Oh, for sorry, chargering. Um, for those of you that really rag on me for saying clippering. Because, well, face it. The Chargers are like the Clippers. They love to choke it up. They're like brother and sister. <laughs> I, I think it's safe to say because you know they're in Lo the Chargers are in Los Angeles now, so they're like they're they're like the little brother to the to the to the Clippers, and they're gonna be in the same vicinity of each other <laughs> starting th later this year when the Clippers go to the Intuit Dome. How, how isn't that convenient? <laughs> now now they can like have sleepovers together. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, not sidetracking, um, but of course it wouldn't be the the Chargers without the annual tradition of clippering away a good amount of games that they want they they could have won. I mean, yeah, it's one thing to get into a shootout with the Lions and the Dolphins, but then you blow leads to the the Titans, the Packers, and the Bills. It's like, come on, man, you can't. You, I guess it's the never ending tradition of the clip the, <coughs> the Chargers. Sorry. But I mean, not all. It wasn't all bad. It wasn't all bad for um, the Chargers because you had at least two standout players um, on this team, and in a season full of struggle, and that was Khalil Mack and Keenan Allen. Um, because of those injuries or underperformances on both sides of the ball, someone had to step up, um, especially considering you know their head coach sucking ass. Uh, linebacker Khalil Mack was one of them. Um, he had a return to form, if you could say that, um, this past year with a career-high 17 sacks. He even had that six-sack game on Aiden O'Connell of the Raiders at home early in the season. And meanwhile, on offense, um, the already mentioned uh, injury to Mike Williams forced Keenan Allen to step up. And he did such in a big way. Over a 1,000-yard receiving season and seven touchdowns um, in 13 games that he started all year. Um, it was a little unfortunate that his season was cut short with a heel injury, uh, but he was the de facto number one receiver that kept the offense somewhat functioning. And another positive for this uh, Chargers team was that, well, they cut off, they cut the snake off the head, uh, the head off the snake. They fired general manager Tom Telesco and head coach Brandon Staley after week 15. Now, obviously, the bigger head of the snake is... Um, Dean Spanos, but I mean, obviously you can't get rid of him because, well, he's the owner. But anyway, um, the Chargers didn't just get blown out in that Amazon Prime game for $15.99 a month in Las Vegas in week 15. They were embarrassed. They were clippered to oblivion. Getting shut at a 48 to nothing before a final score of 63 to 21. So Dean Spanos, you know, he made the move that he should have made um, back in January of last year. Um, so, I mean, yeah, if it was too little, too late. I mean, but at least he made the he made the move, finally. So, the Chargers ended their season 5-12. and 12. Um, They had their usual tradition of clip, or, sorry, <coughs> chargering uh, winnable games. Uh, and it was made even worse once Justin Herbert went down an injury. 
But the silver lining in all this uh, to this crappy season is that once Dean, Dean Spanos finally smartened up and fired Brand Staley and Tom Telesco, he, ha- he hired a, an actual coach with actual success, with winning, and that was both in college and the NFL, and was fresh off of winning a college football national championship, and that was Jim Harbaugh. So he actually made a good move for once. So joining Jim Harbaugh was new general manager Jim Horwitz, uh, who previously served as the Baltimore Ravens director of player personnel. Um, and, you know, look at one month later from the major decision. Who knows? Who knows what the Chargers uh, will be able to do? Um, maybe they'll finally break that curse of clippering. Um, or maybe they'll just be the same old, cl- oh, sorry, Chargers um, this offseason. So looking at their offseason, um, they have around, well, they're, they're still in the red. Uh, so Jim Harbaugh and Jim Horwitz have some work to do. They're over $25 million above the ca- uh, above the cap, so they got to make some decisions on on who to get rid of or who to restructure. So some decisions to be made if they want to get under the cap and they want to spend in free agency and their own draft class. So speaking of the draft, they have the fifth overall pick, so a good, a good spot to see who they want to get. Uh, looking at some of their key free agents, obviously one of them is Austin Eckler, something to consider if they want to keep him around. Uh, receiver Jane, Jalen Guyon, um, a, a reserve receiver. Linebacker Kenneth Murray, and then back quarterback Easton Stick, who, you know, didn't do all that bad, but it's just that, well, he could uh, produce on offense. Uh, looking at some of the needs to address this offseason, like I said, you got to get under the salary cap first. Um, that new regime of Horwitz and Harbaugh, they have that first tall task of having to undo some of the uh, previous general manager, Tom Telesco's dirty work. That includes his financial decision making. They got to get under the money line if they want to get help, let alone draft anyone, uh, whether that be restructuring or releasing some players that have big fat contracts. So they got to get under the the money line first, and then you got to get some help um, in the secondary, especially some help for corner Asante Samuel Jr. Because that man cannot do it alone, especially considering that. You know, they got J.C. Jackson, uh, I think it was like last offseason or uh, or this past offseason, and man, he did not pan out. Uh, sadly, a, dis- a very disappointing acquisition. So they're going to have to once again have to find some help with the Santi Samuel Jr., go and get at least two cornerbacks uh, in the draft, and yeah, hopefully it'll be the answer. And then you got to find some upgrades on the offensive line. Um the offensive line was actually a surprise weakness last year, uh, this past year, especially on the right side. So they got to draft both a guard and a tackle to help out Corey Lindsley and just protect Justin Herbert's blind side. And then you got to decide what to do at, at running back. Running back Austin Eckler, he's been the focal point of the offense for the last two years. But like I said, he really disappointed uh, this past season with just six overall touchdowns and his performance not matching the ones in years past. So as the debate rolls on on whether running backs should be paid a ton, Harbaugh and Horwitz need to decide how to address the position, whether it's bringing back Austin Eckler or going with someone else. So the Clippers, sorry, Chargers, they did Chargers things in 2023. But if you look at the bright side, they probably did the deed of firing their head coach and the general manager at the right time. Now in comes in Jim Harbaugh, fresh off a national championship, and a general manager with some good experience in Baltimore and Jim Horwitz. 
Now, as long as they're allowed to fix the mess their, their way um, under Dean Spanos, the Powder Blue siblings, well, it depends on what they're able to do, but they can allowed to do what they need to do. They can leave 2023 in the dust. To wrap up part one of our 2023 NFL season recaps, we travel from the powder blue side of Los Angeles as we go now to the big blue side of New York to talk about none other than the New York Giants. The Giants, they were coming off a season where they exceeded their own expectations. They overexceeded, um, in other words, by making the playoffs with a pretty flawed roster and they're going to 2023 with the expectation of, well, trying to do it again. And they made an interesting choice in in this offseason during this point last year. Um, because they had to come to make a decision between their two key players. Um, Daniel Jones at quarterback, Saquon Barkley at running back. Um, they had to make a decision on, well, which one do we give the big fat contract to? So they made that interesting decision to give that big fat contract to... Daniel Jones. And then they decided to franchise tag uh, running back Saquon, Saquon Barkley. Franchise tag him. So then after they had themselves what I thought was a good draft um, and by need. So basically drafting the best available player. So going in, I thought the Giants would have themselves a solid season just as long as they could get the same Daniel Jones that they got in 2022. Uh, minus the turnovers. Unfortunately... The season uh, for for the New York Giants in 2023, it went south from the very beginning. Like, literally, just minutes into week one. They got their butts whooped. Actually, not just whooped by the Dallas Cowboys in the opener, but completely blanketed, embarrassed, soaked in the rain on prime time. You saw an opening drive filled with some promise and a complete disaster. False start by the offensive line. Botched snap by the center. Um, that led to a big sack. And then you have Graham Gano trying to make a, a field goal in the rain. And then it gets blocked and get returned for a, a big touchdown. That set the tone for what ended up becoming the center of the many, many problems for Big Blue all season long. They got shut out. And sure, they get they get a comeback win over Arizona in week two. But it doesn't get any better. It, it, didn't, make, it didn't fix the problems that the Giants had going forward. And one of those problems was the horrific the absolutely shitty offensive line. The pass blocking was so bad, they averaged six or more sacks per game. Like, whoever was that quarterback, they had no time to throw. They were under duress all day long. The poor pass protection led to heavy pressure on Daniel Jones in the pocket and forced him to run for his life when he didn't need to. It was, I think it was the same case it was in 2022. Just amped up to the max. But it also led to more turnovers, some of which led to touchdowns, like in the Week 1 game. And it only got worse as the season wore on with injuries, including to their quarterback. So at one point, Daniel Jones got injured. But actually, let's let's reverse course. Daniel Jones was inconsistent, and he was eventually gone. And why do I say gone? Well, let's first start with why Daniel Jones was inconsistent, actually. Even with the small amount of protection time that Daniel Jones got, Daniel Jones was, again, inconsistent. He couldn't connect with either of his receiving core, um, and even without pressure in his face, still turned it over, like dead in the rights to uh, a corner, linebacker, whatnot. Um, He made wrong reads in general. So why do I say he was gone? 
Well, he suffered a neck injury in that Miami game. And then when he came back for the Raiders, he was gone permanently uh, for the season with a torn ACL on a non-contact run. So a very rough way for Daniel Jones' season to end early, but he regressed. Um, and it gave New York, New York some reason to go and get another quarterback, um, potentially this offseason. So you had a, a door of quarterbacks like uh, Tyrod Taylor and Danny DeVito. Um, and Danny DeVito, you know, surprisingly, had this, this whole spotlight on him. Like, oh, he's like Tommy DeVito. Uh, no, he wasn't really. But then it was just like for one week. And then it went to Tyrod Taylor and then, yeah, that's pretty much it for the, the Giants quarterback. But nonetheless, you know, Daniel Jones was just like, oof. But for all Big Blue's problems, you know, when you look at what went right for the Giants, you look at Dexter Lawrence. Um, the defense, yes, it was atrocious as hell. But when you look at a bright spot on this defense, Dexter Lawrence was a force to be reckoned with at defensive tackle. He was a frequent force at pressure, um, gained to the quarterback, um, in, ta- in tackling in short distances, including a standout game against the Jets in Week 8. Um, he finished the season as an All-Pro and as a Pro Bowler with four and a half sacks, um, seven tackles for loss, and overall, 32 tackles. So, pretty impressive stuff for Dexter Lawrence. And, you know, stats alone, um, he, uh, stats beside, he was a very effective uh, player for that defense, which was, again, pretty terrible. And then you look at the wins, yes, most of them came against crappy teams, but two of those wins were actually very surprising and kind of impressive, if you ask me. Um, if there were any highlight wins in their six injury riddled wins this season, um, you look at the wins over the Packers on Monday night and then the Eagles to close out the season. The Giants' defense had Jordan Love and Jalen Hurts on lock, and yeah. Um, the, the, the quarterbacks didn't have impressive performances, but Tommy DeVito against the Packers um, and Tyrod Taylor against Philadelphia, they did enough to pull uh, pull away on offense, put the game out of reach um, for their team, especially DeVito leading a game-winning drive um, against the Packers and then get that game-winning field goal for his kicker. Um, and then Tyrod Taylor, of course, you know, pulling the pull, helping his team pull away late, um, you know, doing just enough. So, yeah. It was, it was two good wins against two eventual playoff teams, especially the Eagles. You know, they haven't gotten a win against them in forever. And then it also locked them into the fifth seed where they went on to lose in the playoffs. So they ended the season 6-11. and And even if injuries eventually did them in, they were doomed from the start um, with so many major flaws across the board, but none bigger than that horrifically bad offensive line that – got their quarterback injured uh, for a few games, and then Daniel Jones was eventually lost for the season with that freak ACL injury. So now they go into 2024 uh, with many questions, um, the answers um, on that same side of the ball. So when you look at their offseason, they have about $35 million in cap space to spend. A decent amount of money, um, but not a lot that they can really do anything. Um, So they got to spend it wisely unless they make some moves to get even more money. They do pick at number six overall. So, hey, something to spend. Uh, uh, make, make a decision at what you want to do, whether it be um, a lineman or a receiver. I don't know. Whatever you want to pick. Look at some of the key free agents. Obviously, the one at the top of the list is Saquon Barkley. We'll talk more about him in a bit. 
But some of your other key phrases is corner Adoree Jackson, safety Xavier McKinley, and receiver Sterling Shepard. Maybe Adoree Jackson and Xavier McKinley are two names that you should consider re-signing if you're the Giants. Looking at some of the needs to address this uh, this coming offseason, which is in a couple weeks, um, the number one thing that they should address is that offensive line because Brian Dable and Joe Chosen, uh, that head coach and GM uh, duo, they cannot go into 2024 expecting Daniel Jones or whoever's going to be a quarterback to get sacked more than five times per game again. If they do that, it is atrocious. That is a fireable offense. Their main priority of this free agency and the draft should be upgrading their guard, the center, the right tackle spots, and provide their quarterback ample protection uh, to throw that ball. And if protection breaks down, like in less in ten seconds, more than ten seconds, then okay, then you can run. But the main priority is getting whoever's going to be at quarterback absolute protection. And then you got to decide what you got to do with Saquon Barkley. Their top running back is an upcoming free agent. They're not going to franchise tag him because it's going to be too expensive. So they have to decide um, if you want to commit to um, Saquon Barkley long-term or if you're going to go in a different direction. And they got to make the decision real soon. And this is probably not going to happen, but I would consider, if they're the, if you're the Giants, grabbing a young quarterback to compete with Daniel Jones. While it wasn't necessarily Jones's fault for the Giants' struggle in 2023, I mean, he didn't, necess- he didn't necessarily move the needle either. He still has his glaring flaws, such as reading defenses, turning the ball over frequently, and he's also coming off a torn ACL injury um, that happened midway through the season. Like, not, like, very late in the season, but still, like, it's a pretty significant injury. So, rather than adding a veteran, maybe consider signing or drafting a younger quarterback that could compete with Daniel Jones. Because, yeah, if I was Daniel Jones, I'd be on the lookout of how the Giants could handle that quarterback position going forward. So for the Giants, it was a disappointing yet kind of expected follow-up to their surprising 2022 campaign. Um, so because of injuries and various flaws. However, they're going to have to make some serious changes and considerations on the offensive side of the ball if they want to compete this September. Because, you know, that NFC East, um, which is held by the Cowboys and the Eagles, obviously it's going to be tough. But, if they want to take at least themselves seriously first, they got to look at the offensive side of the ball and say, hey, we need to do something about this. So that was a wrap on part one of our 2023 NFL season recaps. And boy, was that place stinky. Dumpster Town, always a stinky place to visit when we talk about um, the, the teams that fell into the worst of the worst. But we talked about six teams that sadly entered that category and that was the Carolina Panthers the Washington Commanders the New England Patriots the Arizona Cardinals the LA Chargers and the New York Giants so if you're a fan of these teams let me know how your season went in 2023 um well several several months later um after the season ended and what do you think they need to do in the offseason to have hopefully a better 2024 so we leave dumpster town as we wrap up part one of our season recaps as we go into part two in the next episode as we talk about six more teams and their 2023 season but for now that is a wrap on this episode of very cold lasagna i am your filthy casual host dill lasagna thank you for tuning in to episode number 188 of this icy yet spicy sports podcast 
And as always, keep that lasagna very cold in the fridge with your takes on the world of sports. Until the next one, peace out.